Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon.
to worship at North Decatur Presbyterian Church. Thank you, Children's Choir, for being with us this morning. It's so good to hear your beautiful voices. We're so glad to be, be able to be back together in that way. If you're joining us for the first time, um, we welcome, and we would love for you to introduce yourself and get to know this congregation, which is a wonderful place to get to be a part of. I have great news that I get to share with you that next Sunday, the 27th, we, we get to be back in here, all of us together in worship. We are so looking forward to it. We're really excited to get to spend this time face to face. Um, we are going to ask you to wear a mask at all times when you're inside the building and still, you know, show each other respect as far as space goes. In our sanctuary itself, the front rows will no longer be distanced spaces, so we won't be doing the every other space with the rows in the front, but we will be leaving those in the back for those who would rather maintain space. So as you choose a spot Sunday morning as you walk in, if you're one who's comfortable being around others um, up close and personal with masks on, you may sit forward in the sanctuary, but leave that space in the back for those who would rather have a little bit more space around them. If you're one of those, please uh, find a seat, a seat that you feel comfortable from everyone. We're returning to um, Sunday uh, programming as well. So next Sunday, we'll, just, we'll have 10 o'clock um, education hour. That's for adults and children. Um, they will still be offered online, so you will be able to have, except for the children, the adult stuff will be offered online. You'll still be able to access the classes that way. So, and then at, at 11 o'clock, we will have our worship time together. And um, the following Sunday, starting in March, we will have two services. We'll have a 9 o'clock and, and an 11 o'clock with a 10 o'clock uh, fellowship hour, or education hour between those two. So we look forward to this time being back together again. We will be offering extended session down in the fellowship hall for children second grade and under. And we're going to have a nursery for the first time in two years. So bring your babies. We're just excited to get to be back together again. Uh, thank you to the choir who during this time has shown up and been with us um, even in uh, at, at, even though everybody else isn't here, you've been here, and we're grateful for your faithfulness and for Ho's leadership of that. Uh, next week, we will also begin our Vital Congregations uh, initiative, and it's a planning process where we'll learn about the vitality of the church and being in community with one another. And it's kind of a plan planning process where we'll be making decisions, and our goals will be set in light of how we are being vital within the community, what, what our vitality, what our life means together. We're also getting back to doing some of the things that we are having our DNA that we think of ourselves as, including our uh, Mercy Church laundry ministry. We're getting back to that again. And there are some opportunities for you to connect with other initiatives to help find people have housing um, in our neighborhood. So please look in the communicator and follow it closely in the next couple of weeks because things change quickly. We welcome this morning um, to our pulpit, Aaron Toller, who's one of our ministry fellows, and we're grateful that you'll be sharing with us this morning. Today we will hear a biblical story about a family who hasn't seen each other in years, face to face. Can you imagine? <laughs> this family left on horrible terms, horrible. Anger and jealousy had flared into hate 
and violence. And many brothers ganged up on one brother, left him for dead, and lied to their father, telling him that his favorite kid was dead. Years pass, and a famine brings the brothers begging for food in a foreign land. This sets the stage for what will happen today in our story, an authentic, emotional, and physical response that will unfold in their meeting in our story today. In this time of returning to being together, I invite you to consider how time passing will affect how we greet one another. How authentic will our reunions be? Our story today has a literal emotional outburst of falling on each other's necks and weeping. I don't expect you to do that when you get to see each other again, unless that really is your authentic response. But this emotional outburst in our story even precedes talking and catching up. As we begin worship today, your authentic emotional response is welcome. Over the years, we've diluted our emotions to like seven different icons that show how we feel. We've got a smiley face, a thumbs up, a heart hug, LOLing, surprise face, the big blue tear, or a red, angry, shaking your head. Those are the ways that we have decided we can respond to one another emotionally these days. Those are our options. And we can turn off our video when we want. We can turn on our face filters when our eyes are red or just opt out of sharing our emotions at all. Friends, your feelings are not emoticons. They're not able to be held within a little yellow circle with some dots and some lines. They're real. And here in this time and space, we are invited to a place where we can offer those feelings freely. You get to feel how you're feeling today. You don't have to be fine. So in this moment of silence, I'll ask you to consider how you authentically respond to this question today. How are you doing?
Friends, offering one another the peace of Christ is not a thumbs up. It's not a peace sign. It is recognizing that your fullest vulnerable self can be seen by God, and it is inviting others, vulnerability and self, feelings and emotion, to be recognized and seen by you. So in that sentiment, please pass the peace of Christ with one another. May the peace of Christ be with you and with you. Our scripture reading today comes from Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 15. Listen now to the word of God. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of those who stood before him, and he cried out, send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers couldn't answer him, so dismayed were they at his presence. So then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, who you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves for selling me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine that has been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. God has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house and ruler over all of the land of Egypt. So hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks and your herds and all that you have. You and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen, so hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept on his shoulder. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon him. And after that, his brothers talked to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
So a couple of weeks ago, I traveled to Chicago for a conference with Christian educators and a wide variety of people, but mostly from the PCUSA. And for those of you who have been involved in the Presbyterian Church beyond this local congregation here in North Decatur, you know that it gets to be a pretty small world. And so at this conference, I found there were approximately four kinds of people. Uh, first, there were the people that I came with, some colleagues of mine at Columbia, one of my professors. Second, there were the people that I planned to meet up with when I was there. Uh, my roommate that I stayed with in the hotel, and two of my best friends from Arkansas. I was really excited. And third, there were the people that I didn't know were coming, but wouldn't be entirely unexpected. People that tend to pop up in my life about every five years in some random part of the country, because again, pretty small Presbyterian world. And when you ask, what are you doing here? You get the chance to share stories. And then there's the fourth group of people, where when you say, what are you doing here? The subtext in your head is like, didn't you switch denominations? Or last I heard you were living in France? Very, very unexpected. Just to throw you for a loop a little bit. And that happened to me at this conference. When I was at my booth in the exhibit hall, I heard a voice and I looked up and I saw one of my housemates from my YAV young adult volunteer year in Asheville, North Carolina that I did three years ago. And I can talk about YAV forever, but usually when I try, it's in a series of statements that don't seem to go together. It was the best year of my life that I never want to do again. It was nothing that I wanted it to be and yet everything that I needed. It was one year of direct experience, but a lifetime of impact. And my YAV year, like many other people's, was really, really hard. And I argued with my housemates a lot, and work was challenging. And in the process of being pushed that far, I said and did a lot of things that I'm not proud of. And so when I encountered my housemate very unexpectedly at this conference, and I said, what are you doing here? And we had a very surface level conversation where she said she liked my longer hair, and I found out that she was tagging along with her sister to the conference. As soon as she walked away, I ducked behind my table for a minute. Because when I encountered her, I didn't just encounter her, I encountered my past self from three years ago. Sometimes it's hard to look in the mirror. It can be really hard. And when I encountered my past self, I remembered all of the things that happened, and I felt this huge well of emotions, uh, a variety of things, because when I left my Yavir, I hoped that I had grown and changed, and I would be able to take that forward and hopefully not run into many people from that time again. But as happens in the Presbyterian world and in life, things have a way of catching up to us. And I can't help but wonder if maybe that's how Joseph's brothers felt. Looking at their brother, who they've seen a couple times before in Egypt, but now it's clear who he is. They see 
him in a place they never expected and are forced to confront what they've done and who they were in the past. And they have a very long and complicated backstory. This is the Joseph who has that robe with sleeves or the coat of many colors, as we talk about, who, you know, might have been a little snotty to his brothers and they might have been jealous. Uh, and then it escalated, as Aaron put it so nicely, from anger and jealousy into hatred and violence. And his brothers sold him into slavery. And when they come to Egypt for the first time in the time of famine, begging for food, for just sustenance, for the ability to stay alive, Joseph puts them through a variety of tests. He sees what's happening to the youngest brother, Benjamin, trying to see if they're going to protect him. He puts the money they spent on uh, the food back in their bags to see if they'll own up to it. He even sneaks his own silver cup into the youngest brother's bag and holds one of the other brothers for ransom. It's pretty manipulative. You know, there's a lot happening there. And so when Joseph and his brothers look at each other, knowing now who they are, there's probably some horror of the moment as the brothers wonder what's going to happen. But Joseph has what's probably a pretty unexpected response. And instead of using his position of power that he now has and smiting his brothers with all of the power in Egypt, he looks at them and says, don't blame yourselves. You sent me here, but God has used that for good. And so I want to be clear. This is not a turn-the-other-cheek sermon. Abuse is never okay. And that's not what this passage is telling us. Instead, God is with Joseph. And Joseph, in his position of power, a new place, tries to break the cycle that's been in his family for a while now. Of hatred and jealousy and manipulation, being sold into slavery. He tries to push that in a different direction. And even more than that, he tries with perhaps some of the hardest people to do that with, his very family. And he does this not by pushing everything that's happened under the rug or trying to ignore it or saying, let's just go forward. He does this by naming himself and blowing the situation wide open so that he and the brothers have to encounter each other as they were in the past and as they are now. And there are a lot of feelings that come with this. Even before he makes this revelation, Joseph has already cried in a back room. He cries then, he and his brothers cry. He cries on Benjamin's neck, Benjamin cries on his. It's a really, really emotional moment. And it's only after Joseph's reveal of who he really is in relationship to his brothers, it's in that very last verse of this passage that the lectionary has handed us that it says, and then the brothers begin to talk. It's only after everything has been blown wide open that they get a chance to start renegotiating what it means to be in relationship with each other. They're able to encounter the ruptured relationship that they have and start trying to repair it little by little. And this is not easy. 
because forgiveness isn't cheap. And renegotiation is hard. And those are two different things. And so we see Joseph take care of his brothers. They go back and they get their father and they bring him and all of the family to Egypt and Joseph settles them near him in really good land. And they keep this up. They, it seems like being near, they keep interacting. And, you know, Joseph's particularly close to his father and his youngest brother, but they're all there. But it's a process. Five chapters later, at the very end of the book, Joseph's father dies. And as that happens, they have to renegotiate again what it means to be a family. And the brothers get scared again. And they say, well, now that our father's dead, what if this is the time Joseph was waiting for to repay our evil? And they come to Joseph and they say, you know, our father asked right before he died that you might forgive us. Uh, And is that in the text? Did the father ask that? No. Did it happen? Mm. Another weird moment in renegotiating, staring at our past selves and wondering how that impacts our future. You're still worried it's going to catch up to him. And it's in that last chapter that Jesus says, I forgive you. All of the process before that has been a renegotiation, a catching up, finding new ways of being, of repairing ruptured relationship without ever forgetting what had happened. And so when Joseph says, you all meant this for evil, but God used it for good, he isn't saying that God condoned this, but as one of my professors put this past week, Perhaps it's about God overwriting it. Working through it. Speaking through Joseph. Finding ways to repair. And finding new ways of being. And so sometimes forgiveness isn't just with other people. Sometimes it's asking for it from God. Sometimes it's finding it in ourselves. We can't control what other people do. I know that in my Yav year, I discovered over and over that I had very little or no control of my circumstances. But I know now, and I remembered through this story, that I have the ability to take ownership of what I've done and what I've said, and not to sweep it under the rug but to move forward and renegotiate what it means to be in relationship with others and myself and God. And so we get to be thankful that we serve a God who changes hearts and minds, who is with us during the hard times, the good times, and everything in between, who models forgiveness and is with us all along the way.
Amen.